Well, good evening. Thank you all for coming out again. Any new reports? Good, exciting news? Nothing? You found out your TV's not broken. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. We're going to open up in prayer. Does anybody have a prayer need? Thank you, Lord, the TV's not broke, but a prayer need, a prayer request as we get going here. Eric? All righty. Eric? Okay, pray for a friend named Tony. Absolutely. And your son. Is that Brenda? Oh, thank you. Brenda's son. Amen. Well, let's pray, and then we'll get right into the Bible study. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we pray for Tony right now. Lord, you know exactly what he needs, whether he's hurting or not. We just pray, God, that you would touch Tony. Lord, he is a blessing to so many. And we just pray that you bring comfort to his mind, healing to his body if he needs it. Lord, we pray for Brenda's son right now. Lord, you know exactly where he's at. And we just pray, God, that you would do a work in her son's life. We pray for salvation, Lord, and that you would just do a, a new work in his heart, God, we pray. Thank you for bringing everybody who's come tonight, Lord. And I just pray that tonight would be a blessing to every person who hears this message. And Lord, I pray that you would stir the hearts of those who are present, that they could even uh, give input and share thoughts and uh, just add to this Bible study, Lord, that would bring an encouragement to others around them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, welcome. I'm going to uh, kind of take a tangent tonight from our book of Philippians because my heart is just really encouraged and excited about the message for tonight. Uh, I want to read to you something that I just wrote out this morning here. Um, it says that you were designed by God to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. I'm going to say this again. You and I were designed, you're created by God to make an eternal difference in the lives of those of us, everyone that you come into contact with. This is huge. When the seeming futility of life's daily grind tries to overwhelm you, Try remembering that the smallest good deeds done with great love can transform monotonous duties into meaningful delight. We're going to get into this in this message. Your life, my life, each of our lives in here not only impacts those closest to you, but also each person those people come into contact with. We're going to elaborate on this some more tonight. The ripple effect of your influence has far-reaching eternal possibilities to God be the glory. There, wow, Rick, my friend. Oh, wait, that's not for tonight, is it? Boy, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we just had a, a delicious something brought into the fellowship hall here, but it's not for tonight. There is an amazing beauty about the Christian gospel, about Christianity, that is not found anywhere else in this world. Can you imagine, maybe you can remember before Christ, before salvation, how you felt before the Lord found you and before you found the Lord? Did you ever sense futility in life, meaninglessness, whether you're going through that daily grind, going to work, going to school, 
you know, for some, it's uh, piles of laundry that just are never ending. It could be just going to work to pay the bills. And it's like, well, to what end? To what purpose? Well, the gospel brings uh, purpose to our lives because it reminds us that each of us are made in the image of God. And since we are made in the image of God, we are designed to make an eternal impact, a difference in the lives of people around us. We may not realize it. We may think that when we intersect with other people, we cross their pathway, that our exchanges of conversation are brief, they're momentary, they're just for that time period, and I'm just trying to get through the day. But no, there is an amazing concept here that the influence that you and I have upon each other and those that you come into contact with throughout the week, God is using that influence, those encounters that you have with other people to mold, to shape, to encourage, to to help other people that you won't get to see the impact that that has on that person today. But I guarantee sometime down the road, especially when we finally stand before Jesus, we're going to get to see the books opened, as the Bible says, and we will see the far-reaching impact that we had on those around us. I want to break this down into a few areas, like four points basically tonight. Number one, we are designed to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. What you and I do today, it matters today and forever. What we are doing, it matters not only for today, every moment has an eternal significance and a a reward that we're going to get into that brings meaning and encouragement to realize, man, if I'm just doing the dishes, I'm not just doing the dishes. There is an eternal reward that's attached to even doing something as silly as dishes. Man, when I have that person who's grumpy and they're just in my face and give me a hard time, how I respond to that person has an eternal impact my life, but also on their life as well. Uh, We are made in God's image because we're made in God's image. The choices that we make, the words that we speak are influencing and affecting other people. That's that eternal difference. So number two, the seeming futility of life's daily grind. It overwhelms at times. Um, We just brought this briefly here a minute ago, and that's why it's imperative for us to be spirit-led, to ask the Lord to give us eyes to see life how he sees life. Because if we don't have spiritual eyesight to see life from God's perspective, all we can see is the immediacy of the here and the now. I just want this person out of my face, or I just want to get this task done, and all I can see is the now. But God sees the huge picture. He sees where you're going to be next week, next month, next year. And because God sees that huge, vast picture, what we're doing at this very moment is very important to him because he has a plan and a process of what he's working out in our life. And that's where faith and trust in God works out to say, Lord, I don't see the meaning and purpose behind what I'm doing right now. But Lord, you do, and I want you to lead, to guide, and direct me. And so remember that the smallest good deeds that you do with great love can transform the monotony into meaningful delight. Why? How does this happen? Well, nothing is insignificant in the eyes of God. God's best opportunities are often disguised as a waste of time from human perspective. God's best opportunities are often disguised as a waste of time from a human earthly perspective. Case in point, Jesus going to the cross. 
That was a complete waste of time in that culture. Somebody going to a cross and dying upon a cross, that's a horrible thing. But yet that brought salvation to you and I. Uh, I don't know, who knows the story of Ruth and Naomi here? Ruth, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament? Well, I'm going to have to give a very quick version. How can I do this? Well, Naomi is the mother-in-law. Ruth is her daughter-in-law. Well, Naomi's husband dies. Ruth's husband dies. But also Ruth had a sister. Um, uh, what was her name? Orpah. Uh, she had a sister named Orpah. All the husbands died in the story. And Naomi, she's going to go back to her home country. And Ruth, who's not from Naomi's home country, says, hey, I want to go back with you. And so she does. Ruth leaves her home country of Moab, and she goes to the land of Israel, and she is gleaning. She's harvesting grain in the fields at harvest time, a very insignificant, meaningless thing other than for survival. I just got to get through the day. I just want some food. But as a result of Ruth harvesting in that field, the guy's name who owned the field, his name was Boaz. Well, she ends up marrying Boaz eventually. And as a result of that marriage, that marriage is the family tree of Jesus and King David. And so here, as I said earlier, God's best opportunities can often be disguised as a complete waste of time from human perspectives. I want you to think about that for a little bit. Because this requires spiritual eyesight to say, Lord... I want my life to make an eternal difference, not only for me in the here and the now, but Lord, I want to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. And isn't that just like, like the Lord to disguise his opportunities from the eyes of man so that way they don't see it? You have to have eyes of faith to see it. Years ago, when I was a kid, I saw the movie uh, Indiana Jones and the, La and the Lost Ark. Did anybody see that movie? Like, I'm really dating like 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> I vaguely remember that movie as a kid because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But I remember he was looking for, I think it was the cup that Jesus, the Ark of the Covenant. And at one point of the movie, he was trying to find the cup that Jesus may have drinking from at the Last Supper. And there was this golden chalice, you know, and all these beautiful golden cups. But then I think there was a clay cup, you know, one that was very simple and plain. The carpenter's cup. And did he pick the carpenter's cup? Like I said, it's like 40 years, long time ago when I saw that movie. Well, that's an illustration like Jesus. The world, they would think, well, he's a king. He would have the golden chalice, you know. Well, God, if he's going to allow us to be a part of his plans, his purposes, and make eternal differences in the lives of other people, I believe he does disguise opportunities from other people where they, like, you're going to miss this opportunity, but unless you have eyes of faith to see it and the heart of God, that when you step through that door of opportunity, God is going to bless you. So Ruth, she followed her mother-in-law, Naomi. She went to Israel. She decided to glean in Boaz's field, doing something that was just very ordinary. And as a result of that, she was brought into the family tree. She's begun that family tree of Jesus, King David, before that. Uh, for you and I, I want you to think about, is there any times in your life where God maybe presented you with an opportunity that from a natural perspective, it seemed like insignificant, but from God's perspective, looking back, you were thinking, my goodness, I'm so glad that that opportunity came across my pathway. 
I could have easily missed it if I hadn't just stepped through that door. Can anybody think of that, of an opportunity that God presented to you that brought a blessing to you, but it was a blessing in disguise? Eric? You had a choice to make. Am I going to learn my way or do it that other way? Amen. And he stepped through that door of like, okay, I'm going to do it the way I'm being told at this time. And it brought a blessing to your life. Amen. Anybody else? An opportunity that came across your pathway that seemed very ordinary, very small. But as a result of stepping through that opportunity, that door of opportunity, it was like, whoa, that brought a huge blessing in my life. Eric? Wow. Wow. Amen. God is often working when we don't realize it. I thought about this a couple, this came to me about three to five years ago, especially that in Pentecostal churches, especially we want to hear the voice of God, be led by God. You want to hear his voice or have a dramatic vision. And those things can happen. They do happen from time to time. 
But what I found in my experience is most often God is leading us and guiding us through ordinary means and ordinary ways when we're not even aware of it. But nonetheless, he is leading and he is guiding. It takes faith to believe that and to see that. Uh, any other examples? One more example of something very seemingly small opportunity that people could have missed, but you, you just the Lord nudged you to walk through that door. And as a result of that, it brought a blessing to your life. Elna? God opened up that door. These things happen in a lot of areas of our life. And if we now becoming aware of it now more so, not to always be only looking for that opportunity, but just to say, Lord, I just want to be a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant. Amen. And so, Lord, if I will just serve and walk through doors of service that you give me, you will find that God will open up opportunities that you never thought or imagined possible. And as a result of that, your life is going to have an eternal, make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Um, I think, Brenda, did you raise your hand? So is bad plumbing turned into a blessing yeah, then? Yeah. <laughs> I still don't feel like I'm communicating how excited I am about this, my friends. When you touch somebody, not touch physically, but when you interact with somebody to encourage or whatever you do, you help them. And then this person goes and interacts with somebody else. And then that person goes and interacts with somebody else. I don't like Amway, pyramid schemes. But God's view of why and how he's created us, we don't fathom the impact that we have. That all we see, I'm going to go talk to Orville today. I'm going to encourage Orville. And that's it. And that's okay. But from God's side, God sees that when you go and you talk to someone like Orville or whoever, he knows who Orville's going to go talk to, and he knows who that person's going to go talk to, and that person's going to go talk to. And so we see this little perspective here, this little interaction, this one conversation, but God sees the ripple effect. And that ripple effect is massive. That if we grasp that, why would Paul go through persecution? There's a guy named the Apostle Paul. There's new believers in here. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. Why did he walk away from a comfortable lifestyle, 
Lots of money. He had prestige. He had position in the community. He was a Pharisee. The guy was set for life. Very well educated. He grew up in his hometown. Uh, Saul of Tarsus could have had a very wonderful life, but he walked away from that. And I believe this is another part of the picture of what he grasped that when we follow the Lord and we do what he's called us to do, Paul was persecuted, he was harassed, he was abused, he was mistreated wherever he went, but yet he had an unceasing passion to preach the gospel and to reach people. And I believe part of it, again, is like, I touch Orville. Orville's going to go touch Jay and encourage Jay. And Jay's going to go and encourage Ronnie. And Ryan's going to go and encourage Steve. And Steve's going to go and encourage Rick. And while Rick, he's working all around the community, and he's going to go and encourage somebody else. And then he goes and buys a motorcycle in California, and he goes and encourages that person. And then those people go encourage those people. And it all began with Orville. And so tomorrow morning when you wake up, when I wake up, I'm going to get on a wonderful school bus. And yes, the kids are overall I'm blessed with a great route, but they have their moments. But it really changed my heart today towards these kids to realize, Lord, help me to somehow speak words of encouragement. I can't preach at them, but I can certainly encourage. I can certainly do things and speak words that would hopefully bring direction clarity of purpose of life and meaning, planting seeds, so to say, of realizing, Lord, there's influential bus drivers that they'll see a kid get on that bus and have a horrible day. And I realize, Lord, if I can help influence that kid and nudge him in the right direction, well, that kid's going home. And they're going home maybe to an absolute mess at home. And Lord, if I could somehow drop a seed that's going to change that direction a little bit, and then if that kid gets on the right path someday, and then they go and touch a whole lot of people, I just pray, Lord, open our eyes to the excitement of when we serve the Lord of what God is placing before us. I want to go through five key areas in the next 20 minutes of rewards that God gives us uh, for each for what we do. And it's an eternal reward. Matthew chapter 6, turn there. The Gospel of Matthew, the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. If we could get beyond seeing only the immediacy, Matthew chapter 6, if we could get beyond only seeing the immediate benefit of if I do this, what is the immediate benefit? How is it going to benefit me or how will it benefit, you know, Adriana? I'm going to say something. How can I help her just for this moment? We want to help for the moment, but Lord, there is something eternal that you are doing in in our hearts. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Anybody want to read that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Rick Wilkinson, I haven't got to hear you read in a long time on a Wednesday night. Huh? If Dave wants to, I'll let Dave. He didn't volunteer, but do you want to read Dave? Go ahead. He's got his glasses on. Oh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1? No, chapter 6, verse 1. That's okay, guys. 
<laughs> they thought we we're at chapter 26. It is a good chapter. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're not supposed to sound a trumpet. If we're going to do a charitable deed, talk about it, brag about it, hey, bring all the attention because we want to be seen. But Jesus did command us to let your light so shine before men that people would see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Well, here Jesus says, all right, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And what's going to happen when you do that? That's your motive. Your motive is not to be seen, but you have a heart to give, a heart to help others. What did Jesus say that our Heavenly Father will do? It's pretty basic. It's not rocket science. It's in all of our Bibles here. He will bless them. He will reward you openly. Do we believe that? Most of the time. Can you imagine if this grips our heart, friends, to say, wait a second, my father said, all right, we're not to like tutor horn and stuff, but go on a secret mission. I say, Lord, I want to be a blessing. Lord, I don't, I just want to be a blessing to those around me. And Lord, you said that you want to reward your children openly. You're going to reward them when they do their charitable deeds and they're, they're just doing it to be a blessing to other people, eternal blessings, church. Not just for the here and now. That means if I see Sandy has a need, well, I'm going I'm to go try to help her for now. It's not just about the here and the now. Who remembers the parable of the sheep and the goats? Matthew chapter 25, Rick, I think. Yeah, we, we, we gotta, haven't got quite there yet. But Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Hey, the sheep on the right hand, hey, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was sick, when I was in prison, you visited me. And what did the sheep say to Jesus? Lord, when did we do this? They were completely unaware. Why? Because it just came so naturally because they loved God and they loved their fellow man. They weren't doing it. That wasn't their motive for reward. But when the sheep stood before the Lord and he opened up the books and says, hey, guys, do you remember when you did this? It was just an ordinary day. It was pouring rain and this was going on and man, you were just, but you stopped and you helped out that person. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the kingdom that your father has prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Steve, God has a kingdom for you. God has a kingdom for you. He does? Yeah. You probably don't feel very special sometimes, maybe most of the time, most of the time. But Steve, God sees everything that we do. And if you have a heart to say, Jesus, I may not have served you my whole life, but Jesus, I want to begin to serve you now. Do you know what? 
the Lord God himself, he will reward you, and he has an eternal kingdom prepared for you. It won't be just your kingdom where you know, you're the only. No, it's a kingdom with the family of God, where you're royalty, where you have privileges, you have responsibilities, you will be doing what God has called you to do, what you were made to do. Who likes to watch a good football game? Baseball game, anything like that? Who would, in their right mind, would not want to be the person who makes that winning catch? Who likes music in here? I will say I'm a little jealous in a good way of musicians who can just sit down and play an instrument, read music, and just play it just first time. My kids have a piano teacher, and she's like that. Joy took her a piece of music that was fairly complicated last year sometime, and put it in front of her on her piano. And and the lady, I'm almost positive she had never heard the song. And she sat down and she began to play that song. And you would thought you would have thought she'd heard that song a hundred times and played it a hundred times. I was just like, that's not fair. <laughs> I wish I could do that. That desire is not wrong, but listen, in God's eternal kingdom. You will be doing what God has created you to do, and you will love doing what you are doing. You will have that same thrill of fulfillment that the person who gets the winning catch or the concert pianist who's playing that piano, you know, and they're just doing it for the glory of God. Whatever God has you doing, you're going to have the most exhilarating joy doing it in the eternal kingdom of our Lord. And so, Steve... God has a place for you in his kingdom. It's a place. It's a wonderful place. It's a place where I don't know if you've ever got to feel like you were doing what God made you to do, but there is coming that day when you will have fulfillment and satisfaction of doing what God's made you to do. So generosity, giving, caring for others, uh, hospitality, or actually prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6, for time, we'll just talk about prayer briefly. The Lord says to, you know, when you go to pray, pray to your heavenly Father in secret, and he will reward you openly. And so that eternal impact, if we could grasp that, Lord, when I pray, that, Lord, those prayers are impacting and influencing other people, and it's causing God to move on their behalf. That's what I talked about Sunday morning, wishing and praying that the church as a whole could grab a heart for prayer even more, because I fear sometimes that, especially since COVID, not just Central Park, but I feel I fear that the church as a whole has lost that wonder and faith of truly believing that God moves in response to prayer. Does anybody sense that or feel like that's kind of maybe how people do feel? I think the evidence is in the lack of fervency for prayer. I think there's a general sense of fear and anxiety in me. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with like the wealth where it talks about the power that may be in the power of the air. Uh-huh. Uh, that's Ephesians. There's technology moving forward. People are more trusting. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But getting back to prayer with that, instead of the fear and the mistrust, I brought that up Sunday morning, the great betrayal. There's been a lot of betrayal the past couple of years in people's hearts in every sphere of society. Like, how could the doctors and the government and education, all this letdown, and even in the church, 
I'm praying, Lord, would you restore our childlike heart and trust and faith to say, wait a second, Lord. Yeah, these are dark times. Yeah, there's incredible deception all around us. But for the people of God, Lord, would you encourage us to pray, but to pray in faith and believe that, Lord, as the people of God come together to pray, that you're somehow going to influence our situation and and intervene on our behalf. Does that make sense? I think about Pharaoh, uh, who's heard the story of the children of Israel in Egypt when they're coming out of Egypt and they're at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is coming after them. Amen. I think we feel that way sometimes. We're caught between the Red Sea, the water behind us, and the army coming towards us like, there's nowhere to go. And Moses like, God, what do I do? Stick out your stick over the Red Sea. And he does. And the waters part. Childlike faith and trust and prayer to say, Lord, Jesus, you said if we pray in secret, Lord, in our own time, that our Heavenly Father will reward us openly. What does that mean? I believe that God will intervene in the course of our life. He will lead, direct, He will guide, He will help us, He will give us wisdom. And so, praying for that uh, fervency and that desire to grow to say, Lord, Boy, you know, I, I do believe in prayer. I do believe that you answer prayer, but I don't seem to see it a whole lot. But Lord, I, I want to learn to pray. Lord, I want to learn to pray in such a way, not that I get my own way. That if that's the desire and motive, then our motive's wrong. Amen? It says in the book of James, it says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. That means you miss the mark because you want to consume it upon yourselves. Well, prayer was very effective in the Bible from Elijah to Moses to King David to Jesus. And so to say, Lord, there's eternal rewards and impact that we can pray for family members, pray for our community, pray for our friends and loved ones. Why? Because as I'm I'm using Orville, because he's my friend, as I pray for Orville, I'm not just praying for Orville to, to check off a spiritual checkoff list. Oh, Lord, bless Orville today. God, help him to have a good day. In Jesus' name, amen. And the prayers kind of dribble off our mouth and hit the floor, amen. But if I realize, Lord, Orville's a child of God. Jay's a child of God. Lord, I pray for Jay. Lord, I don't know what he's facing right now, but Lord, Jay is made in your image. And Lord, you could use Jay to make an eternal difference in the lives of those around him. Oh, God, I pray for encouragement for Jay. Lord, I pray that you would drive any discouragement away from him. I pray for new hope. Oh, God, I pray for Jay that you would open his eyes to see your goodness wherever he goes. Lord, I pray for Jay, and I ask that you would give him opportunities. Use him to be a blessing to those around him. Lord, if he feels like he's not a blessing, I pray, Lord, that you would just surround him with strength and faith that whatever he puts his hand to, let it prosper. Let it be a blessing wherever he goes, because, Lord, I want to see you use Jay to make an eternal difference in the lives of people around him. Does that make sense? That's a different kind of prayer. Amen? And we could do pray for it for Dave, for Elna, for Wendy, for all of us. Amen? The third area I want to talk about for reward is in hospitality. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Luke 14, verse 12 through 14. Luke 14, verse 12 through 14. 
Jesus sees life so different than we see life. And I'm glad for that. Luke chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Ronnie, are you there? Can you read it, please? Hmm. Nothing wrong with having dinner with a friend. Nothing wrong with having a family Thanksgiving dinner. But it's wrong if we're only willing to have dinner with those who can benefit us back. And Jesus attaches an eternal reward again to say, hey, find those who cannot repay you back. And if you will be a blessing to them, I am, what did he say there in the first 14? And you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Eternal impact again there. I'll use Jay again. God, I'm praying for Jay. Lord, I ask that you would help him, Lord. Give him wisdom. Give him discernment. Lord, that as he is led by you, Lord, to be a blessing to those around him. Lord, let that so influence the life of that person that, Lord, that when you return and the books are open and there is an eternal reward for Jay, Lord, that he would be astonished to see the amazing blessing that you have for him because of his love and generosity and compassion for other people. In Jesus' name, amen. The ripple effect, church. In our humanity, it creeps up into the church all too often. And, and I'll put my first self at the first of this, is that when we serve or love or we go through our day, we do get caught up in the immediacy of how is this going to be a benefit in the here and the now. If I can see it's benefiting now, okay, I'll do it. But God says sometimes there's opportunities and things I want you to do in serving that you may not see the immediacy of the benefit or the fruit or how it's going to help. But you know what? God sees it because when you help that person, you speak to that person, you witness to that person, it might change the whole course of their life and their family in Jesus' name. Amen? Moving on to number four, um, our daily life. This one was revolutionary in Colossians chapter 6, New Testament. So we're in Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The verses I'm about to read completely bring transformation to people's lives, society. When you take things out of the immediacy of just what we're living now and how is this going to help me now to realize that whatever we do, we're doing for the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 22 through 24. Yeah, actually through 25. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 22 through 25. Someone at this table who'd like to read? Or at the ladies' table. Adriana, you want to read? Colossians 3, 22 through, 20, through 25. But through 24 is the main one, but we can't leave 25 out because it goes both ways. Uh-huh.
partiality. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This was revolutionary. We don't. We may not see it, especially two thousand years later. But there was the economy was different in the Roman government. The economy two thousand years ago is way different. So they had slaves, bond servants. You had to if you didn't have property, if you didn't have your business, you had to hire yourself out to someone else to be their servant, their slave, so to say. It was a matter of survival. Can you imagine how? feudal that felt like if you were at the short end of the stick and you have somebody who's your boss your slave master whomever you're working for this person but you're constantly at the short end of the stick and feeling like i'm never going to get ahead how feudal meaningless that felt for so many people and even today i'm sure it feels like that all around this world and then paul brought brings this up so beautifully when he tells him well hey obey them According to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. He transformed that meaningless, mundane, ordinary task of life to say, hey, don't do it for your boss. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. And he goes on to say there's a reward. Knowing, verse 24, that you from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. I still don't think we get it. it means if I work at McDonald's, that means if I work at bus driving, that means that if I'm a janitor, that means that if you're an owner of a company, have your own business, you are serving the Lord. That brings dignity to humanity. Because without Christianity, without a relationship with Christ, without a concept of eternity, that there is an eternal reward to gain, you are simply subservient to that boss. You're in slavery. That's all you're going to have for the rest of your life. But the gospel elevates and saves, redeems, rescues humanity out of that slavery to futility and meaninglessness and says, hey, no, you're not just serving that boss. Don't do it to serve them. Do it in singleness of heart, fearing God, reverencing God, knowing that you're going to receive a reward from him. What does that mean? Double payday. When you go to work tomorrow, all right, do the absolute best job that you can, but not to please the boss alone. Nothing wrong with trying to please the boss. But if you're doing it simply to be a boss pleaser, that's the wrong motive. Why? It's going to backfire. When you go to work tomorrow, you do it with all your fervency, with all your might. You work the hardest that you can, and you do what you can. Why? There's a double payday coming. Not only will you be rewarded at payday, but guess what? You're going to be rewarded from the Lord as well when you stand before him. Why? Because God sees that, hey, you are serving as if you were serving me. There's an eternal reward. Let's go to the last one here. Number five. Number five, and we're going to wrap this up. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Luke chapter 6, verse 
and eternal reward for loving those who are hard to love. Luke chapter 6, verse 35 and 36, two shortest verses. Who wants to? Maybe the back table over there. Nicole or is it Rebecca? Amanda. That's okay. Who turned to it at that table? Luke chapter 6, verse 35 and 36. Thank you so much. Loving your enemies, doing good, Lent, hoping for nothing returned, and your reward will be great. Jesus, I pray for each and every one of us here, Lord. Lord, there is not one of us here in this room, this, this fellowship hall, God, that is doing something in the eyes of this world that is just massively significant and important in the eyes of man. But Lord, we are your servants and you have called us, Lord, by your grace. And Lord, you have placed before us hidden opportunities to serve, to love, to help, to encourage, to pray for, to give. Lord, I pray that you would inspire our hearts, Lord, with the reward of the possibilities of, of how this will eternally impact not only ourselves. But Lord, with everyone that we come into contact with and everyone those people come into contact with, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see the massive work that you want to do in Jesus' name. I close with this. We'll get back, Lord willing, to the book of Philippians next week here on Wednesday night. The Philippian church was a very small church, but they had a huge impact. There was a, a lady named Lydia who was a wealthy lady, nothing wrong with being wealthy. You can be a Christian and be wealthy, but there was a, name, a lady named Lydia. She was a wealthy lady. She's a seller of purple fabrics. There was a Philippian jailer and his family who got saved. That was the start of the church. It was a little church, but that little church had a huge impact on their area where they were at, and they've had a huge impact for thousands of years now. Your life may feel like at times it has no impact. I plead with you to get before the Lord in prayer to say, Lord, help me not to minimize what you want to do through me, but Lord, to see that you are doing a good work. And even though it may be small and I may feel like I'm not doing anything important, but Lord, in your eyes, I'm doing something very important, not just for today, but Lord, for the weeks, days, months, years ahead for all eternity. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. There's still more coffee in the coffee pot if you want to empty it out before we have to get rid of it. Have a good evening and a safe trip home, and we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.